every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning, a warm welcome to the final Money Talk of the week. This is Peter Lewis on Friday, the 23rd of February, and this podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, Nvidia's bumper earnings have driven a global stock market rally. Technology shares around the world have surged, and equity markets in the US, Europe, and Japan have reached record highs. Nvidia surged more than 16% in New York, taking its market cap to 1.94 trillion US dollars after it reported a 265% rise in revenues late on Wednesday, blowing past analysts' expectations and projected even stronger sales growth in the coming quarter. The US S&P 500 and Dow Jones Industrial Average and Europe's Stock 600 Index, along with France's CAC 40 and Germany's DAX Index, all hit record highs. And Japan's Nikkei 225 surged 2.2% to an all-time high, breaching the record of 38,915 that was last reached 34 years ago on the final day of trading in 1989. On that day, 15 Japanese companies ranked among the world's 20 biggest by market capitalization. The Nikkei has risen 16.8% since the start of the year, making it the world's best performing major index. Japan's broader topics index closed 1.3% higher and is now about 8.5% from its all-time high. The annual inflation rate in Hong Kong slowed to 1.7% in January from 2.4% in the previous month. That was well below economists' forecasts of 2.2%. It was the lowest inflation rate since March 2023. As prices eased for food, transport and clothing and footwear, deflation continued for electricity, gas and water and durable goods. Meanwhile, prices edged up for housing and alcoholic drinks and tobacco. On a monthly basis, consumer prices fell 0.1% in January following a 0.1% rise in the previous month. The Bank of Korea kept its base rate unchanged at 3.5% during its meeting yesterday, as widely expected. The central bank maintained borrowing costs for the ninth consecutive meeting, saying it needed more time to assess changes in domestic and external conditions. The committee added it would keep a restrictive policy for a sufficiently long period until it was confident that inflation would converge on the target level. On today's programme, I'm joined by Francis Lund, the CEO of Geo Securities, and Mark Toe, Managing Director of Asset Management at the Wing Fung Financial Group. With a view from Australia and New Zealand is Mike Gibbs-Harris, Director of MGH Asset Management in Wellington, New Zealand. And as always, you can get in touch by going to the Money Talk website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. You can also post on Facebook, Peter Lewis Money Talk is the page. And on X, I'm at Money Talk R3. Peter Lewis. U.S. stocks rallied on Thursday, carried higher on a wave of optimism about the potential impact of artificial intelligence technology after NVIDIA's latest results exceeded analysts' expectations. The chipmaker's results helped the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, which tracks 30 of the world's biggest semiconductor manufacturers, rise 5%. The S&P 500 surged Thursday to a new all-time high as NVIDIA's quarterly results lifted the broader tech sector. The index rallied 2.1% to 5,087, surpassing the record high it reached last week. 
and NVIDIA's impact has been so large that it's been directly responsible for more than a quarter of the S&P 500's year-to-date growth. The Dow surged 457 points, or 1.2%, to surpass 39,000 for the first time ever and closed at a new high of 39,069. The Nasdaq Composite advanced 3% for its best day since February 2023, closing at 16,042. And the Tech Heavy Index is within shouting distance of its all-time closing high at just above 16,057. NVIDIA's shares surged by 16.4% on Thursday after its quarterly results, and new forecasts published on Wednesday evening blew past analysts' expectations. The latest jump added almost $277 billion US dollars to NVIDIA's market capitalization. That's the most in a single day for one stock ever and brought its gains for the year to date to more than 700 billion US dollars. And the move means NVIDIA has leapfrogged Amazon and Google Parent Alphabet to become the third most valuable US listed company after Microsoft and Apple with a current market cap of 1.94 trillion US dollars. Ten-year Treasury yields inched up one basis point to settle at 4.33% after weekly jobless claims came in lower than expected. The US dollar index fell to as low as 103.43 before recovering to end the day unchanged at 103.95. Gold mirrored the dollar's ride today, ending unchanged at $2,024 an ounce. The Brent crude oil contract for April added 0.8% to settle at $83.67 a barrel. The Shanghai Composite climbed 1.3% to close at 2,988, with mainland stocks rising for the seventh consecutive session as a series of policy support measures bolstered investor confidence. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng jumped 240 points, or 1.5%, to end at 16,743, advancing for the third day to its highest level in seven weeks. The Hang Seng China Enterprises Index climbed 2.1% and is close to wiping out its losses for the year. It doesn't look like, though, the Hang Seng's going to slide at the open this morning. Futures markets pointing to a decline of about 170 points. That's 1% with the index projected to open around 16,575. And you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. We have made it to the end of the week. Always delighted to welcome on a Friday Francis Lund, the CEO of GEO Securities. Morning, Francis. Hi, good morning. And also joining us is Mark Toe, Managing Director of Asset Management at the Wing Fung Financial Group. Very good morning to you, Mark. Good morning. Let's start with NVIDIA. Its bumper earnings have driven a global stock market rally. As you heard there, AI bellwether NVIDIA posted record revenue up 265%, and it more than tripled its sales last quarter as it continued to benefit from booming demand for artificial intelligence chips. And NVIDIA met very lofty expectations. It beat on revenue, beat on earnings, beat on margins, and beat on forward guidance as well. NVIDIA founder and chief executive Jensen Huang said, accelerated computing and generative AI have hit the tipping point. Demand is surging worldwide across companies, industries, and nations. He said companies in other industries, such as automotive, financial services, and healthcare, were now increasing their spending on its chips, as well as sovereign nations such as Japan, Canada and France as they harness citizen data to create their own AI models. 
Um, Francis, what are your thoughts on this? First of all, why is NVIDIA helping stocks all around the world now hit new highs? Well, it is at the forefront of a new technology revolution, which is uh, AI, artificial intelligence. AI is, is going to change the uh, world as we know it. It's, it's just like uh, the iPhone uh, changed the landscape for uh, handsets uh, about uh, uh, 15 years ago. I think uh, this is the same same thing. And uh, now every everyone, everybody has to have AI, Have they, they have to buy AI chips to power their software and power their uh, computer programs because uh, uh, everybody demands it and, and, and they are able to charge exorbitant prices, 20,000 US dollars for one chip and they have gross margin in excess of 70% and the net margin of 55%. That is really absorbent, exorbitant, mm-hmm. and unconscionable. <laughs> wow! <laughs> only only drug companies make that kind of margin. Mm-hmm. I uh, Apple has a gross margin of forty five percent, and nobody else comes even close. So, Mark, what what are your thoughts on this? NVIDIA chief Jensen Huang, he said that demand is surging worldwide because generative AI has hit the tipping point. Um, Do you see it that way? Is this really now a transformative technology in line with maybe the Internet or the launch of the iPhone? I concur with uh, Francis uh, as well as uh, the, the the CEO uh, uh, Jensen, and actually I think uh, the key word is tipping point because in these uh, kind of technology in innovation, uh, the initial investment uh, can be enormous, and it takes time and effort, and sometimes uh, even good luck to have a certain kind of format or certain kind of. Uh, standard to be accepted, generally accepted by the industry. Now, this kind of technology has been accepted and uh, it can be, I, I, I would like to say, it, it can be used uh, to a much greater scale, to more applications. Uh, that's why I think uh, the whole scalability concept can apply to it. And uh, no wonder the, the stock prices, uh, the valuation, uh, all these kinds of metrics can, can perform and outperform. I, I, I can foresee that at least in, in a few years, if not decades, uh, with this uh, you, you know, forefront uh, technology, I, I, I think it, it is going to dominate uh, at, at least uh, among the so-called Magnificent Seven. I think it is it is going to, to be the leader, the new leader. Mm. I mean, investors have been wondering whether artificial intelligence was just a fad or whether it was something more substantial that could actually improve productivity growth for companies. Sounds like from what you're saying, Mark, that you think the latter may be true. This is something that is really going to transform productivity um, in companies. Mark. Yeah, we, 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 we need uh, the imagination because uh, to have that kind of uh, uh, valuation, uh, you, you must give uh, some kind of uh, great expectations and, and real hope and also from time to time uh, the, the milestone really reachable uh, by, by, the, by the corporate so that the investors will, uh, will be convinced 
that they are not giving uh, a too generous uh, evaluation. And that helps to have that kind of positive feedback in the capital market. And that helps generate uh, even more uh, benefits to these kinds of uh, uh, technology companies. And it, it has been happening all the time in the last few decades, and this is no exception. So, Francis, what does this mean for markets going forward? We've seen stock markets around the world now in the US, Europe, Japan, rally to all-time highs. Can yeah. NVIDIA provide the spark to keep this rally going? Is it is it going to be enough? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it will uh, keep going for the next three years because the enormous uh, profit that uh, NVIDIA is producing, uh, uh, many other entrepreneurs are, 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 are getting into the market. Uh, Sam Oman of OpenAI said he's going to raise one trillion US dollars to form a venture to produce AI chips and to take market away from NVIDIA. And mm. uh, the son of uh, SoftBank is doing the same, but uh, he's more modest. He, he's going to only raise uh, $10 billion. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but, but uh, Jensen Wong said, uh, uh, if you use AI chips to start, then you 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 you'll be tied to it because it has the same you need the same architecture to uh, to continue your uh, po your programs because uh, they are producing a, a new generation every year like a one hundred x one hundred and then b one hundred and then x one hundred and uh, during all this uh, progression they will use the same architecture. If you use it first, uh, several years down the line, you 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 are still tied to the system. You cannot mm. change. Mm. I think uh, what people are doing is that uh, uh, they are not talking about the Magnificent Seven now because uh, Tesla and Apple are no good now. They're not so magnificent anymore. <laughs> so it's going to be a, magn a magnificent two or three, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we are talking about Microsoft, NVIDIA. Yeah. Uh, ALM, AMD, and SMCI, and Broadcom. Mark, I mean, we, we have the S&P 500 now at a new all-time high. Can NVIDIA alone take this further, or are we going to need some new leadership in the market? Or do you think, you know, we're, this rally in NVIDIA can continue and therefore markets can build on their, their gains? Well, uh, I think the bigger the dreams, uh, the more hopes for the investors to 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 have their valuations uh, elevated but of course uh, it also depends on the actual uh, monetary policies because um, at, at least you can compare to uh, five or ten years ago uh, when the mon uh, when when the interest rate is uh, typically or literally zero and uh, it makes a huge uh, difference for for people in venture capital or in uh, similar uh, situations. And it is very important for us to remember that uh, as long as the investors have a certain positive uh, threshold uh, for their required return uh, in their mind, uh, it is not easy to, to convince them to be generous in their valuation. But now you see that um, we have a big story and the big story seems to, seems to evolve 
from time to time to make something happen. And it seems real. As long as it seems real, I, I think uh, people are, are going to be generous. Uh, that's, that's no question about it. And uh, of course, uh, some of the other guys, some of the other, uh, among the other magnificent uh, seven, may maybe maybe uh, out of fashion. That's fine. Mm. Uh, just like the indexes, we have these losers and winners changing all the time. That's okay. Um, Francis, do you worry that maybe we're in bubble territory now? I mean, the obvious comparison is the late 1990s and, and the dot-com boom and bust. I mean, OK, NVIDIA is a very sound company, but then you look, there are other companies. I mean, look at Supermicro Computer. That's listed on the NASDAQ. Yep. It makes server equipment. Its share price has risen 225% so far this year on the back of AI enthusiasm. And then last night, it's announced a $1.5 billion convertible bond with with an interest rate of between 0% and half a percent. Doesn't this remind you that maybe, um, you know, valuations are now becoming detached from fundamentals? Yeah, I think SMCI, super microcomputer, is certainly a bubble stock. But uh, uh, the, the entire uh, AI story is not a bubble. It's not like the metaverse several years ago. Facebook got into it. And then got burned. I think uh, uh, Facebook never got anywhere with their their uh, metaverse uh, 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 business. But uh, AI is different. From what I see, I think uh, uh, the people most have to worry about are those movie stars. Now you can produce a movie without real person. <laughs> I can't, but I'm sure people can, yes. I, I feel yeah, like I'm missing out. Maybe we can do a, a podcast without real people. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think next to go, uh, after the movie starts, uh, us as stock commentators, because AI can replace us all. <laughs> yes. I mean, Mark, I mean, this has almost overshadowed the fact that, by the way, the Fed minute shows that the Fed is not ready to cut interest rates yet. Um, mm. They're there, um, you know, despite equity markets getting to record highs, economic growth is going to slow in the year ahead. Inflation um, in the US might be showing signs of, of rebounding. So interest rates are not going to fall as fast as markets had previously hoped. And, and the Fed has spelt that out really in the minutes that were released um, this week. This is something that the markets are sort of ignoring at the moment, but are they going to come back and focus on that? Uh, well, uh, the, the the market participants uh, have been having high hopes, uh, at least in uh, last December, uh, for maybe six uh, rate cuts uh, in 2024, uh, which is outrageous <laughs> given the uh, uh, I think given the very neutral comments by the Fed speak. And actually, um, people know that uh, it is it is just uh, too much. It is it, it really impossible. But never mind. They just have, take the take the gains for for the re, uh, for the short run, and, and then they they get something else. Uh, that that kind of uh, punting the stocks uh, mindset has been very popular and common uh, last December. But when we enter the uh, the year of uh, 2024, uh, we have to face the reality, uh, the economic, uh, con- uh, the, the the data, for example, the inflation. Uh, while it uh, keeps edging uh, uh, around uh, uh, that the current level, it uh, refuses to to edge uh, further lower. I think it is very important to to tell that because. Uh, 
we are now in a more restrained free trade area, not as free as before. Uh, it is not easy for inflation to really fall uh, to pre-COVID or even uh, pre-Trump uh, uh, levels. Uh, it is very important. Uh, and, and that makes a, a very difficult position for, for the Fed officials. And uh, because of that, given that nature of technocrats, uh, they are going to wait and see. Uh, being that kind of uh, data dependent, uh, they they would rather do nothing, uh, to just to buy time and let the let the data speak. And somehow, I, I think it is a good thing because they have done a lot uh, in uh, aggressive tightening in the past two years, and the market participants have been having their wishful thinking. Uh, but I, on the on the whole, I think maybe for the baseline, it, it could be three rate highs, uh, rate cuts uh, in, in, in the second half. I, I think it is possible, uh, given the fact that you, you can see, uh, it, apart from the inflation data, most of the other data, including employment, including uh, consumer, uh, consumer confidence, including the retail sales or the other, uh, you name it, uh, basically they are all pointing to uh, somehow a worsened situation. Mm. I mean, Francis, one of the, the issues really is that as markets move to all-time highs, it loosens financial yeah. conditions, doesn't it? Because people are making loads of money in stock markets and crypto markets. Yeah. You know, trillions of dollars of paper wealth have been added. Um, that's loosening financial conditions, and it makes it more difficult, doesn't it, for the Fed to get inflation under control? Yeah, definitely. I, but. But but the fact is, for the ordinary people, life is still very hard. Uh, some commentator mentioned that the minimum uh, wage in the U.S. Uh, uh, is seven fifty U.S. dollars per hour. Hasn't changed for the last ten years. But during this same time, these uh, mega billionaires like uh, uh, Elon Musk. They, they, their, their wealth increased by ten times. So mm-hmm. the rich, rich are getting much richer. The the one percent is almost top one percent is making more money than the rest ninety percent combined. I think that is really the the discrepancy and the inequality of the uh, stock market boom. Mm-hmm. And people make so much money from the stock market. Uh, you you just buy Nvidia stock and and don't bother to produce any cars or anything like that. Yeah, you just become <laughs> an investment that, firm. Yeah, so 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 we are all part of this bubble, mm. especially uh, in the uh, commenting on stocks. We live in the bubble. Mm. I mean, Mark, what is the risk that actually the next move in interest rates could be up? Um, Larry Summers, the former U.S. Treasury Secretary, has said there's a possibility that could be the case. I think he said it wasn't high, but he put maybe a 15% chance on it. We saw this week from uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia's minutes, they actually debated the possibility of raising interest rates in February, but ultimately decided to stick with the current rates. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand is also making some hawkish noises about rates maybe having to go up. Are people underestimating the chances of that happening, do you think? 
Well, uh, I think uh, it is uh, not uh, exactly fair to compare one data point, one month uh, data to uh, to infer or to extrapolate for, for the whole trend. As long as the trend is uh, really trending down, I think uh, there is a, a, su- a sufficient reason for for the for the for the Fed officials uh, to to just wait and see. But of course, uh, in in the mean in the meantime, we can see that. Uh, it is harder and harder for the medium to long term target that that is two percent to be reached. Uh, it is a it is just a, a target, uh, but whether it, whether it, it really can be reached uh, is uh, really uh, open for 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 discussion and debate. And but but of course, I think uh, given the. Uh, Exactly for for the political and other other reasons, it, it seems that the uh, the Fed officials will never touch that uh, target. Uh, no discussion, no change in the uh, no change in the target. So uh, there there will be a discrepancy between uh, what in reality you can reach and what uh, 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 in, in in the target you are you are talking about. So um, I think uh, they they are discounting that. To, to a certain extent, uh, so sooner or later, uh, the, these Fed officials and even the market participants uh, will accept uh, that uh, what the, what it counts to be inflation being tamed is probably uh, not exactly at two percent, but some 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 somewhere above it, but uh, less than three percent. Some somehow it, it would be like that. Francis, let me ask you about Japan. Uh, that's another market yeah. that's reached an all-time high. The Nikkei two two five surged two point two percent. It's breached the record of 38,915, which was reached on the final day of trading back in 1989. Um, How significant is this? People have often referred to that date and that level as the iron coffin lid because the market for three and a half decades hasn't been able to get back um, above it. Now it has. Um, How significant is that? Yeah, it, it is quite significant because uh, the uh, the euphoria during that the the 20th century uh, brought on a 30 year slump that uh, Japan only managed to uh, uh, emerge in the last few years, and then uh, and this uh, recovery actually is fueled by uh, technology, especially in the semiconductor industry. I think uh, Japanese semiconductor uh, 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 industry uh, is following on the heels of the uh, U.S. company, following the lead of U.S. company, and then and then start to uh, really emerge as a as a major players in the global market uh, in terms of uh, equipment, also in in terms of semiconductor. Uh, this also means that. Uh, during this time, you can manage his, uh, uh, economic growth with a shrinking population. I think Japan uh, has shown uh, the other countries like uh, China, South Korea, and Taiwan, and maybe Hong Kong, that even with a shrinking population, with the right kind of technology, you can still maintain economic growth. I think this will be the model for East Asia for years to come. 
Mark, this is, uh, we're in a very different position, aren't we, economically now compared to 1989 when the market was back at these levels. The market was booming then, the property market and stock market were booming. Now, actually, we're in a recession um, in, in this year and um, the market nevertheless has hit this all-time high. Um, but how, how convinced are you by it? Because there's some important things going on in Japan that are driving this, aren't they? Not least the, the stock market reforms, the corporate reforms that are going on. Well, I think uh, it can be a certain kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy because uh, once the uh, cycle or, or you may say the process sets in, uh, you can see that people are getting uh, more and co- more confident um, uh, on the changing or or the, the reforms, uh, both in the monetary policies as as well as in other uh, government measures uh, uh, taken by 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 the by the uh, by the people inside uh, so so to speak uh, so i think um uh, the overall situation is improving definitely and uh, all the investors uh, can 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 smell the, the smell the money uh, somehow and that's why we we can we can see that people are uh, getting more and more uh, interested uh, to have their exposure in Japanese yen, in Japanese stocks, uh, but of course it, it takes time uh, for for all the things to to get real. Because at least uh, for for the for, for 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 number one, you have to get the interest rate to be back to uh, the positive zone, uh, both the nominal and the real. And this is the first criteria for the so-called normalization. But it is not easy especially because the other countries, the other advanced countries are going to cut the race, or at least they are claiming that they, are, they, they potentially will have, will have to cut the race. Uh, so that kind of discrepancy or disparity uh, may mean some challenges. But overall speaking, I still think that in this year, maybe it's the time. In the past few years, um, people have a lot to, to talk about. Uh, and, and they uh, have done uh, just a little. Uh, they changed the leadership in 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 BOJ. Uh, they have high hopes for that, but I don't think it is just one man uh, to to be the hero. Rather, it, it is the changing times that call for that hero. Francis, how much is um, Japan dependence on China? Because there is money coming out of China, has been coming out of China to go into Japan, hasn't it? But we've actually seen a rally now in China over the last seven uh, sessions, as we've seen some of these policy support measures um, rolled out. Mm -hmm. Is that going to change investor confidence, do you think, in China? Well, I think uh, uh, I, I I think investors are starting to come back to China because it's so cheap and it's been down for so long. I think uh, e- even the Canadian pension fund is buying into uh, Chinese stocks again. Uh, where else can you get a uh, PE of under ten and the yield of over six percent? Uh, I think for uh, seniors like me. Uh, I, I certainly will buy the Chinese banks and also uh, uh, the telecoms and, and also the coal miners. They offer steady income and regular payment of a dividend, and and their market is protected, and they face no overseas competition. So I think uh, pe- I think people will start to see value in the Chinese market. I think this uh, four years slump should be over in 2024. Do you agree with that, Mark? Do you see value here? Do you think now we're at levels whereby um, maybe some investors are going to start coming back? Are you seeing signs of that? 
Uh, as discussed before, I think uh, the most important thing is the expectations and the confidence. Uh, and this is conting con uh, contingent uh, upon uh, what the government officials have been doing and saying. And currently, we can we can see that they are changing their tone and they are changing their, their government measures uh, in the way uh, that the, uh, the, the public, the investors uh, are looking for. Uh, and I think that it is a, a positive sign. But of course, uh, how the momentum can set in, uh, it depends on a lot of uh, a, a lot of factors. Uh, it is not easy because they have too many problems at hand. Uh, just just like it is a, a constraint maximization problem, uh, but they have too many constraints. They don't know which which variable to be maximized at, at that time, at that particular time. Uh, so I, I think it is not easy. But uh, in a certain sense, I, I think twenty twenty four. Uh, can be a very critical year uh, that signify uh, the change is uh, for the good uh, and it is uh, it is for for a general well-being uh, not like uh, in in the past few years uh, people may say that okay you you have a lot to do but it seems that no one is going to benefit from it now it it, it is about to be the opposite Mm. Francis, what do you make of these latest rules on trading to, to toughen the trading rules for quantitative funds? They can't sell now within half an hour of the open. Those big funds can't sell within half an hour of the close. Doesn't that rather reduce the attractiveness of the market, particularly if you're an index fund, when you know if you need to do your rebalancing or you need to redeem units in your fund, you actually need to sell yeah. at the close. Um, doesn't this yeah. cause problems? Yeah, it certainly will. But the the government's main goal is really to stabilize the stock market. They 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 have not thought about the uh, the consequences of their action. I think uh, I I I think these operators will certainly reflect to the government that uh, what they are uh, they have done is really uh, more harm than good. I think once uh, once the market uh, rises, I think uh, they, they will remove these restrictions. I hope. What do you make of these restrictions, Mark? Are, are they going to cause problems, particularly for foreign investors, because they don't like having, um, you know, restrictions on when they can buy and sell, because they have for shareholders in their and investors in their funds, and they have fiduciary duties that they have to meet. Well, it is very difficult uh, to handle uh, such a situation if it is just for the domestic consumption or the uh, local investors, uh, local consumers, it is much easier. But it involves uh, a, the, the foreign investors. Uh, then it, it, it happens that the, the government uh, can feel it is rather sensitive uh, uh, to do these or their, uh, uh, this different kind of areas. So I think it, it will be uh, just slowly slowly improving uh, compared to the other things that uh, concerns only local people. Okay, well, thank you very much for your thoughts there. And have a great weekend. You heard there Mark Toe, who's Managing Director of Asset Management at Wingfung Financial Group. Francis Luna, regular Friday commentator, the CEO of GEO Securities. I'm joined now by Mike Gibbs-Harris, who is Director of MGH Asset Management down in Wellington, New Zealand. Morning, Mike. Morning, Peter. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's been quite a week, hasn't it, for the markets? It seems like NVIDIA is the most important stock in the world at the moment, the most important company um, in the world. The whole market, the whole world seems to be rallying on the back of these NVIDIA earnings. How, how much of a game changer is this? And is it in particular for AI? Is this going to turn out to be something really transformative? 
Well, it probably is, but whether or not that's already reflected in the price is, is the question. I mean, NVIDIA's had a fantastic run. It's done extremely well. It's, um, its estimates for this year have, have kind of gone up about fivefold over the last six months. So it's probably in a fairly sweet spot at the moment, but how long that will last, who knows? And can the video alone provide a spark to keep the whole market um, going? I don't think it can, actually. If you look at, at, at the NASDAQ overnight, it was up almost 3%. And virtually all of that was, was from NVIDIA. In fact, there were more stocks down in, on the NASDAQ than there were up last night. Mm. So we need to see some new leadership, don't we? It sounds like then it can't be NVIDIA on its own, despite the AI enthusiasm that can pull the markets even higher to further and further all-time highs. Yeah, every so often they get some indications that breadth is is widening, and then you get some fantastic uh, results like, like NVIDIA's today, and it just pulls up the, the whole market again. Mm. I think the the danger at the moment is that uh, U.S. bonds have gone up you know, quietly to to provide a yield of about four over four point three now, and mm. so um, after a quite exciting fourth quarter last year when they went from four percent up to five percent and then back down to under four four percent, they've gradually been been creeping up, and I think that reflects the fact that interest rates aren't going to come down quite as fast as people are, are hoping. And, and people seem to have sort of forgotten that, don't they, in this excitement overnight about NVIDIA, have sort of forgotten about the Fed minutes where the Fed was making it pretty clear that they're not ready yet uh, to, start cut interest, to start cutting interest rates. Yeah, well, I think the NVIDIA thing is more an earnings um, an earnings story rather than, a, than an interest rate story. But if interest rates keep on on creeping up, then I think that the markets are going to have to go and face more headwinds. Mm. What is the risk that actually, rather than the next move being a cut in rates, that the, the next move is a, is a rise in rates? Because Larry Summers was uh, p- putting that out there, wasn't he? He was saying that, uh, you know, this is a possibility, not uh, the favourite one, but nevertheless, it was a possibility. And we saw, of course, uh, the, the Reserve Bank of Australia, they, they, in their minutes, it was clear they were debating at the last meeting whether or not to raise rates. And that, is that a sort of canary in the coal mine for markets? Well, I think it will be unlikely to see rates go up um, in either the US or Australia over the next few few quarters. But I think that uh, the optimism about how fast they're going to come down is overdone. And certainly the Australian uh, Reserve Bank and also the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, there's been some talk that, well, maybe we might have to go and push rates up if inflation doesn't come down to the levels that we want. But I don't think we're at a, at a situation yet where, where inflation is a big problem. Mm. But what is happening is that for central banks who have got, I think, justified um, uh, bad press about the fact that inflation did go up, they're now reminding everybody that, that their mandate is really to get inflation down to 2%, and it's nowhere near there at the moment. It's still, a, still above, above 3 in mm. most places. The data shows that inflation is rather sticky around these levels, doesn't it? It, it doesn't seem uh, willing to come down. No, and you know, there's been some suggestions, well, maybe money supply, um, sorry, maybe interest rate rises don't don't work. But oh, as, as, as they pointed out, there's an uncertain 
lag uh, between increasing interest rates and and the likelihood that uh, that they will come down. And there are all sorts of strange economic indicators that that would suggest that we should be in a recession by now, like leading economic indicators, really tight money supply, all of those sort of factors, and they don't seem to be working at the moment. Mm. Should we be watching the Reserve Bank of New Zealand? Because they were among the first in the world, weren't they, to recognise the problem from inflation and to start raising interest rates. And they did it pretty much more aggressively than almost any other central bank in the world as well. Should we be watching them more closely? I think it is quite an independent central bank and it's quite an innovative one. So from that point of view, I think it probably is worth watching. But in terms of... um, whether what it does has a major effect on on the world, I don't think it really does. Mm. Well, what about Japan? I mean, Japan's one of those markets that's hit a, a new all-time high, along with the uh, the Eurostock 600 and the S&P 500 in the US. It surged 2.2%, breached the record uh, that it reached 34 years ago on the final day of trading in 1989. That was 38,915. This level has often been described as the iron coffin lid because it's constrained the Japanese markets ever since. So how significant is this now that Japan is at a new all-time high? I think it's pretty significant. Um, you know, we've all we, we've all talked about Japan being in a bear market for thirty-five years or, or so, and now it's finally, finally come out of it. But over that period, I think profits are up about four times. So it shows that if if things get too frothy, it can take quite a long time to to recover. Um, and the Japanese market's done pretty well since Abe came in and, and introduced. Know, the reforms and try to encourage it. It's up. It's tripled in about ten years, hmm. and so you know, it's no longer a cheap market. Um, its PEs are now you know, roughly at the same level as, as the S and P five hundred. Admittedly, interest rates are much lower there, um, and it's also, I think, benefited from the the large semiconductor manufacturers in. Uh, in Japan or, or the semiconductor equipment manufacturers. So um, it, it's had a, a few following wins. But, I mean, it was very cheap. It's no longer quite as cheap. Mm-hmm. And I think also at the same time, corporate governance has got better. It's it's still not terrific, but it's a lot better than it was, say, 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, is it also benefiting from the fact that it's not China um, and money has been coming out of China and, and going into Japan? Yeah, I think that's that's a, a good point as well. I think pretty much everywhere in Asia has been benefiting from the fact that it's not uh, China. I think money's been going out of China into into India as well, and I th- it's partly I think that the large U.S. financial institutions are wary of being caught by uh, congressional moves to limit their ability to invest in China as mm. well. Mm. So you and you can find some some of the ways of getting exposure to China through Japanese stocks. There are there are companies there that have um, factories in China, outlets in China, quite a bit of exposure to China. So you can sort of maybe buy Japanese stocks more safely than you could buy Chinese stocks. Yeah, I think that's the case. And you know, there's you know the fact that it's fairly easy now to go and invest directly in uh, in A shares, but you are, I suppose, wondering whether or not you can ever sell sell them and get your money out mm. um, or that there's a danger um, as of regulations coming in 
to uh, to restrict uh, what you can do in the stock market there. I, th- I think the other point, though, is is that you know Hong Kong's I think about fifteen percent uh, off its low. The chi- main Chinese markets are about ten percent off their low. So whether or not this is a dead cat bounce or not, I'm not sure. But there has been um, a reasonable recovery from the lows which we which we've seen. Mm. But also, they're still way off their highs that they hit a couple of years ago as well. Oh yeah, yeah, quite definitely. Yeah. Do you think then that um, Japan can go further from here? Are these corporate reforms that are going on? Are they going to be the thing that can spur uh, the market now to forty thousand and above? Because I remember back in nineteen eighty nine, that day the market peaked was the the day I arrived in Tokyo for a three year sort of working stint. Um, unfortunately, I was blamed for putting the whole country into a bear market by by some of my <laughs> colleagues. But nevertheless, what everyone was talking about at that time, you know, the markets going to hit 40,000 and it didn't. Do you think this time things are different and that particularly these corporate reforms are going to help take the market further? Actually, the the, the very fact that we've now got to 39,000, I reckon that we can probably make 40,000 because it's only two and a half percent away. So so that's not not very difficult uh, at all. Um, And um, I think that... uh, yeah, I think it'll probably go above forty thousand. I mean, there's it's it's got a a, a great fo- a following win behind it at, at the moment. Um, people are looking to Japan just because it's gone up. It'll probably keep on going up for a bit further. Mm. I mean, it's very interesting to compare Japan now with Japan back in 1989, isn't it? Because what a difference. I mean, at that time, I mean, Japanese companies dominated the world. I think around 15 of them were among the top 20 biggest companies um, in the world. You had like companies like Sony and Toyota, um, the trading houses, the big banks, of course. Um, whereas now, I don't think there's a single one in the in the top 20 um, in the world. And of course, economically, the situation is very different. Japan's in a recession right now whereas it was booming back in 1989. Yeah, actually, I, I uh, just read that. It may have been, been from you, actually, that, uh, um, that Japan is no longer the third largest economy because That's... of the recession it's having. It's, uh, it's now below uh, Germany. That's correct. Yep, Germany's overtaken yeah. it. Although I suspect in, in 1989, I mean, Germany was, was divided into two, so... It, it, it has had that advantage of reunification. Mm. But ironically, at the same time that it's seceded, uh, ceded its place uh, to Germany, its market has overtaken now Shanghai. The Tokyo Stock Exchange has a bigger market cap than Shanghai. is now the biggest market in Asia. Yeah, well, I think, I think it was always getting too, too small just because people were ignoring it. Oh, it's, you know, it's got problems. Um, it, it'll never get its uh, its mojo back, as it were. And I'm not I'm, even now. I'm not sure that it's got its mojo back, but it's certainly benefited from increased uh, profitability. It's you know, it's benefited from the fact that uh, the yen's at 150, and I I seem to remember it was about 100 in in, in 1989. So you've mm-hmm. had a, a, a one third devaluation, uh, and that's really helped it as well over the last year or so. Mm. And of course, the property markets, we all remember the property market in 1989 in Japan, where uh, the land the Imperial Palace stood on in Tokyo became worth more than the whole of the state of California. Yeah. And I mean, it looks as though you know Japanese property prices are no longer outrageous. I mean, partly because 
if you've had zero inflation for 30 years and everybody else has had about 1%, 2 or 3% inflation, then you know, you've suddenly got more competitive by about 60 or 90%, depending on, on which numbers you use. And so what used to be a very expensive place no longer is. Mm. And, and you're seeing that in the tourism uh, numbers as well. Okay. Well, always good to talk to you, Mike. Thanks very much indeed, and have a great weekend. Thank you, Peter, and you have a good good weekend. That's Mike Gibbs-Harris, who is Director of MGH Asset Management over in Wellington, New Zealand. You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Thanks to my guests this morning, and thank you for listening today and this week. If you want to get more details on some of the stories we've discussed this morning, please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com, and have a read of my daily newsletter. I'll be back on Monday. Monday, when I'll be joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and David Friedland, Managing Director of Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. Providing a view from mainland China will be Yan Wu, the Chairman and CEO of Surfing Group. Have a great weekend. Money Talk 